Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia Pacific markets starting the week off in the red. Tokyo is down half a percent. Seoul is off nearly as much, and Sydney is hovering on the wrong side of zero, trading marginally lower. Traders had their eyes on safe haven assets this morning as tensions in Ukraine have just about everybody on edge. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. Fighting and international tensions over Russia's invasion of Ukraine continue to escalate this morning, although two sides have agreed to hold talks at the Belarusian border. Ukrainian President Zelensky says the talks will take place, quote, without preconditions and are expected to take place today. Fighting in the country, meanwhile, is being described as fierce, with Russia possibly facing stiffer resistance than expected. President Vladimir Putin, meanwhile, has placed Russia's nuclear forces on alert. It's a move that U.S. analysts expected, but which still raises the potential stakes of the conflict. So the U.S. market's rallied on Friday, Ryan. The Dow jumped 2.5%. But this morning, Dow futures are currently trading down about 450 points. We'll take a look at Asian markets in a while. What is the general feeling in the markets right now? Is jittery a good word to describe things? That would be a very good way to describe how things are playing out because you've got over the weekend so much news to digest and of course sanctions against Russia and all the other news events besides what's happening in Ukraine to also look forward to. So all all that seeing investors and traders bracing themselves for a lot of turmoil and we've got a sanctions that could have implications and fallout for the financial system and also could paint a gloomier picture for the outlook for many economies because it's going to mean blowback for some of those economies and countries who have put sanctions on Russia. For example, um, if you try not to export or import from Russia, it will mean your various businesses or companies will be will be hurt to, to some extent. So that is seen so far across Asia. Markets pretty much lower for now. Investors just flocking to safety of things like gold. That's mm. seeing a bit of a rise. The safer currencies, those safer currencies are also climbing. And looking at bonds, the 10-year treasury bonds are now down 7 basis points to around 1.9%. So that's reflecting the jitters right now. Across Russia this weekend, people lined up at cash machines to withdraw foreign currency. There are also concerns that the ruble could collapse. This follows a move by US and Europe to bar some Russian banks from the SWIFT financial messaging system and freeze the central bank's reserves. How much has the ruble fallen and could it actually collapse? All right, so you've got right in the center of those financial sanctions, the main one is the SWIFT system, the messaging system used by the financial industry. For quite some time, they were quite reluctant to move on that because of the potential blowback. And this is used as the main backbone for trading and receiving money. Um, So for example, if you're trying to buy oil from Russia, you would have to use the SWIFT system. And if you're trying to get Russia to pay back your debts, they will have to use the SWIFT system. So some companies could be left out of pocket, you know, trying to get money out of Russia uh, and vice versa. So that's going to be playing out in the coming days in terms of how this um, is going to be um, resolved. And as the dust settles, we will get more clarity. Mm. Uh, So you've got now, before the clarity, a lot of people asking questions and just rushing a bit of panic right now as they try to get hold of US dollars and stay away from the Russian ruble. So a lot of locals in Russia 
trying to withdraw foreign currency, exchanging their local currency, the ruble, in case things just take a turn for worse. You also have, besides the SWIFT sanctions, the sanctions against the central bank in Russia from um, using their foreign assets. So a bit of a freeze of assets there. So that could put more pressure on the Russian financial system. In past crises, usually financial ones, not military, when one emerging market currency tumbles, others at risk of doing so at well as well. Others are at risk. So we saw this, for example, back in 1997 when a fall in the Thai baht quickly spread throughout East Asia and even into Russia. So are there concerns that the ruble's plunge could lead to contagion in other markets? It does look like there is a knee-jerk response right now, looking at where we are for some of the emerging market currencies, the reaction so far. Uh, right atop the list, you've got the South African rand and the Turkish lira. They seem to be among those suffering a bit of a slump in the start of the uh, trading week. Uh, looking at some of the other currencies that are also seeing a bit of pressure, the Norwegian krone and the Swedish kroner are also down, in fact, down more than 2%, the worst performers among the G10 currencies. And this is just seeing investors thinking, hey, we need to get some safety right now. Um, that is in the form of things like the US dollar. And the US dollar on the dollar index is up 0.6% and looking at the reading for the DXY, it's at 97.15. And for some contrast, the US dollar versus the Sing dollar now at 1.358. So it's up 0.4% against the Sing dollar. So safe haven currencies seeing some appreciation on Monday morning. The commodity markets, Brent crude is trading at around 103 US dollars a barrel, while gold north of 1900 US dollars an ounce. Analysts say we should expect a manic week for commodities as the intensifying war in Ukraine could affect flows of energy, metal, crops. What are you going to be looking out for? Yeah, manic is a good way to describe it. So you've got What's happening in Ukraine and Russia um, set to just spur more volatility because of the potential disruptions to the supplies of gas and oil to the rest of Europe, Russia, really contributing quite a big chunk of it. And on top of that, you have potential news leads later this week coming through from the OPEC Plus meeting. They meet on Wednesday to decide what to do come April, whether they should hike even more. And then you have another moving part, which is the Iranian nuclear talks. If <clears throat> excuse me, if things take a turn for the better and progress well, you could see sanctions being lifted from Iran by the Biden administration, which could free up even more supply from Iran coming through. So there is all these moving parts, negative and positive to look out for in the coming week. And like you pointed out, we are looking at oil prices rather high these days. And now WTI and Brent are up by over 5% in the morning action. And Brent is at around $103 per barrel. And we are looking at WTI at around $95.80 right now. Before we segue to other news, there are a couple of interesting corporate angles to the crisis in Ukraine. BP, for example, has disposed of its 20% stake in a Russian petroleum company called Rosneft. BP's CEO has also resigned from Rosneft's board. And Elon Musk also making news on the Ukraine front as well. So what exactly is Elon Musk doing? Well, he was quite active on Twitter. In fact, someone 
challenged him to some extent what he would be doing to help with the entire Ukraine-Russia situation. And he was being challenged to activate his Starlink satellites. So if you remember, this is one of his big projects to um, just make the internet more accessible to the parts of the world which can't get access. The poorer countries, for example. And this is now seeing Elon Musk taking action by deploying many of these Starlink satellites to Ukraine to help Ukrainians get access to the internet. Of course, a lot of disruptions there with the infrastructure right now. So he has now promised to do even more, deploying even more infrastructure to set up more links in Ukraine to let them have um, access to internet. And this is not the first time he's doing so. Mm. He previously also donated um, 50 satellite terminals to restore the internet in Tonga. So looks like he is doing some good. Yeah, you, internet access uh, will be critical, surely. Now, one more note. Last week, we talked about cryptocurrency transfers from across the globe to assist Ukraine. The latest data from blockchain analytics firm Elliptic shows that more than 10 million US dollars worth of Bitcoin, Ether and other tokens has flowed into two official Ukrainian government wallets. That is on top of donations to NGOs that are supporting Ukraine's military. Okay, so we turn now to Omaha, Nebraska, where Berkshire Hathaway has reported its fourth quarter profits. The company founded by Warren Buffett, known for its buy and hold philosophy as well as its stellar returns. So how exactly did Berkshire do in the fourth quarter and did it live up to expectations? It seemed to do pretty okay. And I'm looking at quite a solid year. Mm. So operating profits surged in the fourth quarter and for the full year. And this is really seeing some of its businesses in the portfolio roaring back to life post-pandemic and Warren Buffett just betting that this comeback is going to mean even more good news to come. And he is buying back a lot of his own shares right now, seeing them as undervalued. So if you look at the numbers, uh, you've got for the year, Berkshire's operating earnings totaling $27,455 million or rather $27.45 billion. That's up nearly 25%. And this is with Berkshire also using $6.9 billion to buy back shares in the fourth quarter. So for the year 2021, he has bought back shares to the tune of $27 billion. So that's a record amount and up from the 24.7 in the prior year. So he pretty much sees his own stock as the best deal out there. In his annual letter to shareholders, Buffett refers to Apple as one of the four giants that are driving his company's value. Berkshire has more than 160 billion US dollars worth of Apple stock. That accounts for 40% of its equity portfolio. So if Apple is one of Berkshire Hathaway's four giants, question is, who are the other three? Okay, so a couple of giants um, we can keep an eye out for in the coming months. And besides Apple... Uh, you've got railroads and also energy in focus. So one of the businesses he has credited these, um, this rise recently is BNSF. Uh, that is apparently what he calls the number one artery of American commerce. So this makes it uh, this indispensable asset for the US economy as well as for Berkshire Hathaway. So this is where you've got pretty much commerce, logistics in focus and with a real road line being able to be behind the fundamentals of that business, it will mean um, quite a solid 
few years ahead of it. So if you look at the other giant that's also in focus around energy, that is with BHE. Uh, this is where it's becoming what he calls a utility powerhouse and a leading force in wind, solar, and transmission throughout the US. So he is just pretty much looking at railroad utilities and energy businesses um, to really support the recovery picture uh, in time to come. Now, while Berkshire Hathaway has bought a lot of Apple and insurance company shares, it seems that one of its biggest purchases is its own stock. Tell us more. Yeah, so it seems like he is doubling down on his own company by buying up even more shares. In fact, a record $27 billion in stock last year and maybe even more this year because uh, he's saying he can't find any good deals out there. So you might remember how stock markets behaved in the past few years. They have been going up by um, many fronts and maybe he feels um, those valuations are just not justified right now. Mm. So he's just dumping all the money back into his own company. So it is also helping Berkshire Hathaway's share price. Looking at internal opportunities as um, shinier than what the external market's able to provide, Berkshire Hathaway. Now here at home, analysts are sorting through the latest corporate earnings and headlines. And to bring these to you, let's turn to a Monday morning game. Let's get on the swing. Time for up or down. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. Sing post. All right, Sing Post is an up for me. It's seeing its third quarter operating profit rise 46% to $38 million. So it looks like the e-commerce side of things is just helping the logistics business. Yeah, delivering the post apparently quite profitable or to be more accurate, freight forwarding is. So it's an up for Sing Post for me as well. Let's look at Dasin Retail Trust. Okay, Dasin Retail Trust. Um, that is going to be an up for me. Yeah, this one's a bit tricky. Dasin's distribution to shareholders up about 11%, but the company also issued a distribution waiver. And without this waiver, Dasin's DP would have jumped more than 30%. So for me, this is a down. I think unit holders will not be happy about that waiver. Let's look at Yang Zijiang Shipbuilding. Okay, Yang Zijiang Shipbuilding is going to be up for me. Its second half profit is higher by... 54% on strong delivery. So I think it's a reflection of how some parts of the global economy is recovering as well. Mm-hmm. And some remain down. How's China Aviation Oil looking? Okay, CAO, lower earnings. So it's going to be a down for me. And that is despite higher turnover. So this is um, with its main business in the supply of jet fuel in China. And mm. If you've been following the headlines, China has been clamping down on travel, border restrictions, and that is not great news for air travel. So despite taking in more money, China Aviation Oil's profits are down 50%, so it's a down for me. Let's uh, look at SPH. Okay, SPH in the news. Um, this is with SG Karmat in focus. It is selling SG Karmat to a Toyota Consortium for mm. $150 million in an all-cash deal. I'm going to with an up there for SPH. One more question for you, and it's not an up or down, but a good factoid to know. In If we look back at the past week, which company enjoyed the largest influx of institutional funds? It looks like Singtel. So Singtel is leading that net institutional uh, inflows. And that is interestingly because... Um, of various headlines. Um, one of them that caught my eye last week was hmm. its makeover of its headquarters at Comcenter at a tune to the tune of $2 billion. So it's getting some people excited. 
Exactly. Let's turn to Singapore right now. We're 20 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index closed up half a percent on Friday at 32.94, but the blue chip index still in the red for the week. It fell nearly 4% over the past five trading sessions, essentially giving back most of this month's gains to date. So what does it look like this morning and how is the STI trading so far? All right, Michelle, pretty much in line with the rest of the region, which has been under pressure uh, with investors just selling first and asking questions later. You've got STI down 0.4%, 3,283. And looking at where we are for the 30 constituents, it's almost split across the middle, just a bit more red. Right at the bottom of the table is Thai Beverage down 1.4%, Samcorp Industries down by 1.2%, followed by Singtel and Sats and Yang Zhejiang Shipbuilding. Um, all three banks are in the red right now. Let's take a look at the top of the table. We've got SIA in the green, up by 2.3%, followed by Capital DC REIT, Capital Land Invest, and ST Engineering. So, looks like a rather choppy few days ahead with what's happening in Ukraine. Thanks very much, Ryan. Still to come, the US dollar is king. When trouble hits, people look for cover. The dollar rising against virtually every peer. Fallout from deepening conflict in Ukraine, supercharging demand for the greenback. We'll get more coverage on that in just a while. Stay with us. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.